Hello, everyone. Welcome to our new KGF podcast, Ecclesia, a look at the local church. My name is Joel Lease. I'm the worship pastor here, and joining me today is Kevin Gilbert, our board chair. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hey, Joel, I'm doing well, thanks. What about you? I'm doing good. And also with me today is Phil Wagler, our lead pastor. Thank hello, you for coming, everyone. Phil. Hello, hello. So this is a unique time we find ourselves in. It's May the 13th. Um, churches everywhere are trying to figure out new ways of being on mission uh, when they can no longer gather in person in large groups like they did before. Um, but though our context has changed, our our calling has not. We, we are still called um, to fulfill the Great Commission and to make disciples. So today we're going to unpack a little bit together the process that we've been on uh, as a local church, uh, KGF, here in Kelowna. Um, we're going to look back at the last couple years and review some of that. And uh, Kevin's going to help us out with that. And then Phil is going to walk us through some of the conversations we've had as staff and as a board. Um, about what we could look like going forward. We don't expect these restrictions to come off completely for maybe another year, 18 months or so. Um, so we're, we're trying to think of new creative ways that we can still be on mission and we can still uh, be the church in our context. Um, I've only been here for a year and a bit, a year and four months, I think. You've grown up so well. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> and Phil's only been here for... I'm still working on growing it. Yeah. <laughs> eight months? Eight months, yeah. Yeah, eight months. So that, we thought it'd be awesome to bring Kevin in because Kevin's been here a little longer than that. He's uh, been here through our transition, our, our period of change. So Kevin, um, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on who you are and how you started coming to KGF? Sure, that sounds great. Um, I started coming to KGF um, probably about six years ago. Um, my wife and I were new to town, moved here from Vancouver, and we're just exploring different ways we could connect. And uh, something drew us to KGF. And uh, yet around that time, we had also had our first kid. And it was both the, the thing that makes it easy to connect in churches and challenging. Easy because people take care of people with kids and yeah. in churches specifically. And then challenging because how do you connect meaningfully to community when hmm. you got to get back for naps? And uh, when you have a, a screaming kid that won't really stay put in a church service. So we found ourselves both with the perfect excuse to connect and also a little tricky. And KGF just uh, fit that mix of uh, understanding <laughs> the, the yeah. new parent challenge. Yeah. So we, we, started, we started attending, and it's interesting, um, around about that time, I was just exploring more in my own head of what it, what it means to be church, and why do we do church, why do we gather, why is it in this format, and um, I just put some thoughts down on, on my own private anonymous blog, and I called it Flipped Church, and I was exploring, you know, what would it look like to um, just see that the content that we get about church can come digitally, but the in-person gathering is where we have the chance to connect with each other deeply in community and ask ourselves what it looks like to be on mission. So I just published that and did nothing with it. I don't think anybody ever read it. But then a number of years later, um, after I'd been a little bit more connected with KGF, um, the lead pastor at the time asked if I would be uh, open to considering the, the role of board chair, which was 
a big surprise to me. I I hadn't been on my radar at all, but what I mm. had connected with was two things. One is it's hard for a, a young parent to do meaningful in-person service on Sundays. That's just not my jam. That's not where I have extra time. Mm. But the idea of doing quote unquote knowledge work, you know, remote work that you can use your brain to do and use your fingers for typing and meet in evenings, that just made sense, especially with what I do for work. What I do for work is a bit of facilitation and vision casting for organizations moving through change, uh, specifically digital change. And I thought, well, if I can work with nonprofits and governments and universities through uh, casting vision in a professional setting, and if I can use time uh, after hours and uh, digital remote collaboration ways of working, mm-hmm. then maybe there's a, this is my way that I could contribute to what, what KGF is doing. Yeah. Uh, what an interesting opportunity. Yeah. So... Um, is it okay if I keep going, Joel? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I'm, that's I'm, just that's just. I'm just gonna jump in for a sec. That's so cool how God brought you with your professional experience to us in a period where we have to focus more on our digital digital platform and our digital means. Well, I can't pretend that that that's been me leading here at KGF to do that. Just just being here as a as a happy sponsor to see the amazing work that mm. was already being done through yeah. our, our live stream, which was already in place, mm-hmm. um, our website work. There, there was already a, a really smart technology bent to what KGF was doing, and that's probably a little bit of what, what drew me to be part of it in the first place. Mm. Um, but I, I know what you mean. It, it is interesting to see that 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 there is that connectedness now, that even mm-hmm. with these things shifting as they are in today's virus context, all of them line up with themes I would hope to see the church adopting anyway. Mm-hmm. It's almost an accelerant to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we can start thinking about how to use um, our, our, our context, our people, our technology to really activate the people of God to do what we're meant to be doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. But back to that moment where I was asked to be considering the role of chair, mm-hmm. um, the previous board chair just said to me, think about calling uh, as you're considering this. And so I did in the best way that I can as a young parent. Um, I just thought about it as I was falling asleep <laughs> and, and just wondering, what does calling mean here? What is calling? And that particular night, our smoke alarm malfunctioned or was out of batteries. Wow. And uh, it was just chirping all night. But to <laughs> replace it with our tall ceilings, we'd need to get a ladder, which I wasn't willing to do at nighttime. Um, so it was just chirp every however many minutes. What a, sure. wonder, what a wonderful night that must have been. Oh, so wonderful. <laughs> and, and adding into that too, uh, the calls of my children. I have four of them. Uh, not at that time though, just three. <laughs> and they were waking up throughout the night. The smoke alarm so was much, chirping throughout so the night. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I rose from the bed each time to take care of my children's needs, uh, expressed through their calls and put up with the calling of this, this smoke alarm, well, yes, that night I thought about calling. And it was a really interesting um, conclusion to sort of wake up with, to say some calls are urgent, can't be ignored, and must be paid attention to. And both of those were the case. Like, you mm-hmm. got to change those batteries in that smoke alarm. Yeah. you got to take care of your children's needs. Mm-hmm. I said yes through that to the role of board chair mm-hmm. with a distinct thread of emergency. The emergency theme with the mm-hmm. smoke alarm to say, I, there is something urgent, perhaps even crisis-related here mm-hmm. that I am stepping into. And so when um, our own church stepped into a transition period and our lead pastor stepped down <laughs> within two weeks of me uh, saying yes to being board chair, it almost wasn't a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the evacuation theme was already 
front of my mind. Mm. Um, specifically, what I remember writing down in my journal and what I, I had a hard time finding as I flipped back recently to see where it was, was the phrase, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> that perhaps one of the most harmful things we keep doing as a church is continuing to gather over and over again in the same rhythms, the same habits, without asking ourselves what we're doing. And um, that has just been something I've been carrying with me, wondering what to do about it. I haven't used that as a provocative statement in leading our meetings, in uh, even encouraging our team. It's just been sort of waiting in the background to say, what what is this mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. Um, and here now with this um, coronavirus uh, impetus, we are now no longer able to gather. Uh, what we are needing to do is find ways to pay attention to what the Spirit is saying around us and connect with the people around us and bring bring that kind of attention. And I'm, again, I'm just, I'm super curious about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that theme of, hmm. uh, accelerant hmm. is going to keep coming up as we, as we talk here today. Uh, this idea that what's happening in the world around us is going to move the church forward. It's not going to hinder us. Uh, there's tons of memes going around in the, in the Christian, uh, uh, nebulous of the internet. Yes. Um, that that uh, you know the devil thinks he's winning by making us stop church, and then and then Jesus comes back and says, "Well, now there's a church in every home," yeah. and I just I think that's going to keep coming back. So, uh, yeah, why why don't you just give us a yeah continue telling us about the last two years, the transition, all these decisions that have been made uh, towards where we are right now. Yeah, is this um this was a. An unexpected moment for for all of us in in the leadership team and on staff to to really uh, ask ourselves what church needed to be just in that immediate time frame. Um, The season for us was really unique. Uh, Yes, we had our our lead pastor resign, and then we also had a few other team members go through some challenges regarding health and family. And so we were really left without uh, many people to turn to for official leadership, even myself. I'm a new board chair, I'm a rookie, I don't know what I'm doing. Plus, I've just had now my fourth baby, (laughs) and shortly after that, my wife Kendra, who's done that work, also had knee surgery. So I don't have bonus time, I don't have extra capacity. You look around as a member of this church for a leader, you got nobody. You got people doing their best, but what you do have is each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a trite cliche way. Mm-hmm. Literally the only people you can count on for church to exist are the people that you're here with. Mm-hmm. Your family, the people you know, there's just, there wasn't much to go around. And that is, by the way, not to undercut the staff that were here and working, doing an exceptional amount of work to manage a, a strenuous, stressful time. Yeah. Uh, as congregants and members though, what needed to have what needed to happen was increased participation and engagement. Mm-hmm. And that happened. It happened by default. It happened because there was no top-down authority to say, here's the plan for this week, get it done. Instead, church became an organic, flourishing network of people alive to what needs mm-hmm. were in front of them. Yeah. There's, there's one story that stood out for me. Uh, two f- friend groups in our church uh, that both sort of came with the same question but made different conclusions. Uh, group number one said, feels like there's no real leadership here right now. We don't have a vision for where we're going, so I'm going to step out and find a different community to connect with. Totally valid choice. Another community of friends said basically the same thing. There's no real leadership right now. We don't really have a vision of where we're going, so I'm going to step up. 
I'm going to start participating in things like the worship team. I'm going to I'm going to make my mark because this is my invitation now uh, to be part of this fabric. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that choice there is so interesting to hear when that story reached me because that's still what's in front of us now. Um, in the absence of leadership, in the absence of vision, how will you choose to participate? Is right now we are those participants. Mm-hmm. And that that was the, the 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 journey we were all pushed on these past two years as we transitioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was one moment early on where as as a leadership team we gathered and just asked asked through prayer and by dialogue with each other uh, what was needing to emerge through this time. Uh, we took some time and just dispersed through this empty church with nobody in it into different pockets and squares and zones where we could think and pray and. And then came back and, and, and talked about what we were noticing. This was before any new plan had emerged. And um, I just remember myself sitting in the sanctuary, which was deserted, and hearing the pelting rain outside hammer against the roof and the cars outside. And I realized I could actually hear them. I could actually hear what was going on outside the building mm. because people were gone. There was nobody here. I could see nature trying to get in. I, could, I felt like God himself was pounding on the roof being like, I'm out here. <laughs> And, and it was a sense of there's Whoa. something trying to get in. There's something trying to emerge here mm. that we can be open to. Mm. And, and that was just during our transition season as we looked for new leadership. Mm-hmm. And what it, what it led us to just feel really comfortable with was this um, winnowing down to the core to say what church is about might look different than what it's looked like before. But it needs to be. It, it, it needs to be. And, and so that sensitivity and openness was really built into both leadership as well as our congregation to say, we don't know what's emerging, but we're here. We're, we're here to be participants somehow in whatever that's going to be. And we know it's not going to look different. It's not going to look the same as it was before. Um, yeah. So it's, that became just a felt thing, a visceral thing for so many people, not just a theoretical concept, but we were functioning in church that way. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time to renew our mission, vision, and values, you see those themes baked into it now. Mm-hmm. Which I can talk a little bit about if that's an appropriate yeah. topic. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I just want to jump in and add as well that I've seen a number of churches um, go through transition. I'm only 27, will be 28 this year. Um, but I've seen like, I've seen and been through like three major church transitions, one when I was about 13, one when I was 17, uh, and another right before coming here. Mm. And um, in all three, there was a season of of pruning, of change. Mm. Um, uh, Like you talk about like this, God is opening our eyes to see something new and to re-examine what we're here to do. Um, and I've seen churches do that really well and come out the other side and, and thrive again. And I've seen churches, churches, uh, leadership fail in doing that. Um, and I've seen churches totally, totally shift their focus, um, and decide to be about something, um, completely different than they, than what they thought they were about before. Um, and that's just the way God leads his church. So yeah, go ahead and, and how, walk us through some of the MVV changes that mission, vision, values uh, that we went through as a board and as a staff team. Yeah, it, it's interesting what you're saying about church transitions. I had not had the opportunity to walk through any before, and that's part of what led to that complete open-handedness to say, oh, I need help. And so uh, for me, that meant reaching out to people who 
who could give some perspectives, people who had led churches through transitions, people who had been pastors, and just asking lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that led us to some really wise voices and sources, uh, some great books that have been written that sort of walked through a, a process of what transition can look like. There's one, there's one notable book called Between Pastors. Uh, the subhead is Seizing the Opportunity. And, and the idea there is, um, when when it when a change moment happens in a church, this is the chance to ask yourself what God is trying to do and what needs to be adjusted there. And uh, you can walk through a process of actually listening to the Spirit, listening to each other, looking mm-hmm. through the past journey you've gone on, looking ahead to what might emerge, and and orienting yourself around that. One of those things would be adjusting your mission, vision, and values. So through a series of workshops with our congregation and with our staff and with our board, um, we we crowdsourced a lot of input that we ended up filtering through as a, as a smaller team. And what came through was a way to put into words that visceral or felt sense that everybody had been experiencing through this time of change. And um, our vision today, um, if I can recite it, is to co-create communities where each of us are awakened and equipped to live out the unique calling God has for us. And uh, when you hear that at first, it might just sort of wash right over you to be like, okay, those are a series of mission statement-y words. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, every word is packed with so much intensity almost. Uh, To start with co-create. Co-create means you're a part of it. It's not Mm going to happen for you. Um, Nobody's going to sit down and do church for you. The first thing that co-prefix is almost like a hiccup to say, oh, me. (laughs) Oh, I'm in it. I'm in it right now. I haven't even finished the sentence and I'm in it. Mm -hmm. How am I in it? In what ways am I in it? What am I co-creating? The next word is communities. You're co-creating a connection with each other. People you see, people you meet, people you love, people you don't. You need to you need to make that sense of belonging. It's on you. Well, it's a two-way street because it's co. It's it's a togetherness creating. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a community that that functionally you know continues to follow a routine all the time. There's 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 action in the rest of the sentence. Co-create communities where each of us is awakened and equipped. Mm-hmm. Awakened, awakened again. Back to that sort of calling story I mentioned with smoke alarms and kids. Mm-hmm. Wake ups are rude. They're <laughs> savage. They're hard. Wow. They're, they can bring out the best and the worst of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- there's a sense. I was just remembering this on the drive over. You guys remember the the '80s and '90s band Petra? Oh, man. My dad was I remember Petra. Petra. <laughs> okay, well, I, I could not imitate the lead singer's incredible metal voice, but he will sing and high the pitch. chorus in, in a classic Petra song, The Sleeping Giant Needs a Wake-Up Call. Mm. A metaphor for the church. You want me to sing it? I could sing it. <laughs> Please. No, I won't. <laughs> it's a great song. It's great. Uh, just I don't know why that song came to me. It was, it's the theme of, of waking up from a slumber, mm-hmm. a slumber that has gone on too long, a slumber uh, of the spirit, of the soul, of the self to say, have you been engaged? Have you been activated? Have you, have you taken stock of what is yours to step into? That's what waking up looks like mm-hmm. on the individual level and in the church. But don't just wake up. Like Get to work. Get equipped. Get what you need. Uh, get ready for this. Get into it. Mm-hmm. Become become a part of what's happening around you. Yeah. Awakened and equipped in that last bit to live out the unique calling God has for us. There's something unique that you, you as a human being, mm-hmm. get to participate in. This isn't yeah. a generic uh, glaze of cliche handed to every Christian who must become a factory assembly line automaton. You have something unique to contribute 
Wake up into it. Get ready for it. Realize you're part of community. See yourself as a collaborator in it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the vision statement. Yeah. And uh, to to me, if we are if we're able to start exploring how to do that, you've got a community of people who are going to be doing church a whole lot differently than anything we've assumed. Yeah. And uh, for us to have, have rolled that out again, to the, for the vision and values to actually have been co-created through consultation with the church members, means that we're we're hopefully readier than most now yeah. to live in to what this virus moment is asking of us. Mm-hmm. Like here we are, we're ready for this. Yeah. yeah. And that's the interesting thing because you couldn't, you can't create this moment that we're suddenly in. No. Uh, it's it's outside of ourselves. Yes, and it's only this preparation. I was just actually thinking through this song, this Petra song, and <laughs> yes. just looked up the lyrics. It's like, can you hear the alarm echo down the hall? The sleeping giant gets a wake up call. Oh, Awake from your sleep, because it's time to stand tall. The sleeping giant gets a wake up call. Wow. And it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I think we're looking back into the, like. In the in the eons before Joel was born, uh, <laughs> to, to, but it, it, this is one part of I think where we're at is is understanding that the Spirit of God has been preparing the church. So not only us, Kelowna Gospel Fellowship Church, as a community, but we're just one part of a whole uh, body of Christ that has been singing songs like this you know, praying prayers like this, mm-hmm. uh, kind of slowly grasping at something that we know should, could, might possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, you know, obviously when we look back at the New Testament, we see this image of something that is like, like, look what happened there. Why can't that happen again? Yeah. Well, we're not the first, uh, we're not the first group in history who started to ache for that. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I don't want to in any way ever depend, uh, de- um, pretend that, you know, now we're the ones figuring this out. We're actually standing on the shoulders of giants who've mm-hmm. come before us. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you, as you kind of stand on those shoulders, you start to, in both looking back, you now have new perspective and looking forward. But you're only there because of what others have done. Wow. And And I think there's this beautiful moment where the faithfulness of previous generations who've held to the essence of a thing, the essence of the gospel, the essence of what it means to be church, um, is is the thing that now we start to have the chance to discover and discern for this moment and this time. And there are these there are these moments and waves historically that actually kind of have 250 to 300 year cycles to be told like this is actually a very consistent theme historically and we're we're actually on the other side of that you know the last great awakening in western church uh was in the mid 1700s so like that's and it's it's often taken for granted um the studies would show that in 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 the in north america we we'd maybe look back and assume that wow back in the good old days in the 1700s everybody went to church well it's actually not true like a, a, it was like about a 10 to 15% church attendance in the mid 1700s mm. and and when the great awakening came it was this shift and movement but there were so many contributing factors to that that were outside of the control of anybody but now there's a moment and there's a people ready to respond 
mm-hmm. and the giant gets the wake up call and steps into the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think with, with humility, we stand in that kind of moment again, in a moment you can't create. And where, where some of us, you know, myself included at points go, well, maybe we could just kind of get back to normal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever normal is. And then we go, well, I didn't really like normal anyway. Yeah. But, but it was the, pretty comfortable at times. It was comfortable. <laughs> and, yet, and, we, and yet we itched to find a different way out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, the, on the other side, there's also the part of the reason why nostalgia is so welcoming is because to move forward is costly. Yeah. Because you step into the unknown. It takes new risk. It takes new surrender. It takes new humility. It takes new boldness and courage and a readiness sometimes to repent of things that have been like, yeah, that's been stupid. That's been wrong. We've totally missed the mark. And it mm-hmm. reminds me of this, I don't know if it's an apocryphal story or if it's real, but there's this story of, of uh, monks in the Middle Ages who discovered the scrolls of the New Testament in their monastery. And they said, looked at it and they said, well, either, either, these, are, <laughs> either these are not the scriptures or we are not Christians. Mm. <laughs> you go, like, wow. so like there's this there's this like wow. there is this wake-up call that comes and i think we're living in that kind of moment and you know for me being really new to the kgf story it was an invitation into something that the this body of believers was wrestling through that was inviting to us so uh, our family joined in not kicking and screaming because we, we were we, we just knew like there was just an impetus yeah. of God's call to join a community that was seeking to figure that out. Um, you know, there's this. Sorry, I'm taking away from you, Kevin. Here, but no, man, this is this is the transition any host could have dreamed for. Okay, it just all right, flowed seamlessly. Keep going, Phil. I've, Keep I've going. always wanted to fulfill your dreams, Joel. So that's good. <laughs> the. Uh, well, you know, there's a really interesting, and it's often missed in Acts chapter 8. So in Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem, and it says, and the believers were scattered into Judea and Samaria, yeah. and, and wherever they went, they preached the gospel. They, they, mm-hmm. they lived the thing that God had been grounding and rooting in them. Mm-hmm. Well, the promise back in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is Jesus saying to the to the disciples, when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my disciple, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they would have never voluntarily left Jerusalem. Hmm. Yeah. They only left Jerusalem because persecution broke out in Jerusalem. Because of coronavirus? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I there may have been a plague of some kind. It was in the aftermath of, of Stephen's death right? The first martyr. Hmm. And now this great persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem, and now they're scattered. But what's interesting, it says the apostles, they stayed behind in Jerusalem to support that foundational church. Um, and And it's the people who were called out to be the people waiting on tables and making sure the widows had their food. It's Philip who is like the one now in Samaria. And, and actually, it's the church, not, not like a group of leaders. It's the church that are spread. But something's happened in the course of that time that allows for there to be 
a, a groundswell of the people of God who, when they get to where they are, aren't going like, how are we going to get back to Jerusalem? Mm. How are we going to keep building that building that we mm. started in Jerusalem? Mm. It's kind of like they all, there's, there's a sense in Acts 8 that there's almost a bit of a shrug, like, eh. well, here we are. So right. <laughs> uh, what they interpret, though, is it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You'll be my witnesses when the Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witness. So they get to Samaria, and they're like, I think I remember a story. Mm. And we have the Holy Spirit, and look, the sign says Samaria. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how it may be. And and they just kind of live into that moment, and and it's messy, and they have to figure it out, and... And I feel like we're kind of in that same kind of moment where there's these signposts along the way of the Spirit's leading, not just for KGF, Mm -hmm. but for the church in general. I was telling somebody this week on my Peace and Reconciliation Network side of my my life that um, if if I'd have a dollar for every discipleship conference I could have gone to in the last decade, like... I'd be a very wealthy man because there's like tons of these discipleship conferences and everybody's like discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And, and church is like, how are we going to do discipleship better? We know we're just gathering and, and we know that actually just putting people in the same room once a week doesn't equal discipleship, but the call of Jesus and the commission of Jesus is to make disciples, right? <laughs> and so you'd have all these conferences. Well, suddenly this very thing that's been seeded in the thinking and life of so many people is like really the only option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's these many signposts along the way that the Spirit of God has been preparing the church for a moment like this. And we can't make these moments happen. We can only respond. And this past Sunday in I mentioned this little phrase because it's become important in my own orienting and thinking is, you know, the, the church doesn't shape God's mission. God's mission shapes the church. Mm. So over the course of a long period of history, a very fruitful period of history for the life of the church and, and is, is slowly the church takes over shaping the mission. But that's never God's intention. God's mission and purposes shape us. So what does it mean for us to be shaped now and say, okay, God, here we are in Samaria. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think this is kind of what you said would happen. So I'm personally, I don't know, I don't know how you guys are feeling, but I'm, I'm not yeah. feeling discouraged. I'm actually feeling great expectation, mm-hmm. wondering what it looks like for us to be uh, gospeling and fellowshipping people in co-creating communities as Kevin uh, and the team and this body helped put to words. God's been preparing us, and of course, it's going to be messy, and we're going to figure it out. But it feels like there's a like there's a thing where the sleeping giant has the wake up call. Wow, there's going to be a whole bunch of iTunes pur- purchases of Petras, <laughs> the sleeping giant. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin Gilbert, you'll get kickback royalties. I'm yeah. sure, Kevin. Um, I'm sure you will. Uh, But I feel like we're in this moment, and what does it start to look like? Um, And I really trust, actually, that the Spirit of God at work in our people, not just our staff team or our board, but Mm -hmm. in our people, that there's already a stirring of like, ah, well, this makes sense. Um, Yeah. Do you want to lead us through some of that, uh, that journey that we've been on as staff? 
Yeah, um, part, a big part of what we started talking about, even, well, it's been emerging for the last little while, I think, is as we've had town hall conversations with our church family, you know, grounding ourselves in our mission, vision, and values biblically, and just like kind of building roots there back in the fall. I was very intrigued, actually, that we did a whole series on time, mm. <laughs> you know, oh, heading toward Christmas. We did this series on like, you know, the Kairos moments yeah. <laughs> and, and the, the moments when God breaks in and you're left, all you can do is respond. I feel like God's been oh preparing goodness. us in many ways. Yeah. chills. Man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you want to hug? Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, so we started talking uh, uh, in the last number of weeks of what would it look to see, and we have this great big room in our church building that we call the hub but what does it look like if KGF was actually a dispersed gathering of hubs mm-hmm. uh, across our region where, where the people of KGF uh, grounded in a rhythm of gospeling and fellowshipping, where they're on mission in their community, where they're gathered into spiritual family and not walking alone, uh, where they start to just very simply actually be the church and as we've been going through ephesians understanding like the ecclesia the church this church we're looking at now mm-hmm. <laughs> in this podcast is um the uh the church is the people called out to take responsibility for the city mm-hmm. to take responsibility for a time and place which is really a crazy thing to think about Mm-hmm. But the church is more than just like, you know, me, the pastor, or Joel leading music, or others leading particular things. Mm-hmm. The church is like, it's like the teacher who's trying to figure out to teach right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're grade three students. It's the the doctors and nurses. It's the, it's the business leader trying to figure out how to rescue her business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the church is this collection of people with diverse callings and skills and placements and assignments and these ripples of callings. And if, if we simplify what it means to be, you know, the hubs, mm-hmm. these gospel and fellowshipping hubs, yeah. uh, what would that start to look like yeah. for West Kelowna or the Mission or Rutland or other places where beyond this area. Why don't you just give us, for those of you who, uh, for those of us who don't know what this gospeling and fellowshipping stuff is about, just give us a little background yeah, yeah. on where that language comes from. Yeah, so so it was, our, the name of our church is Kelowna Gospel Fellowship Church, which has lots of great roots. And historically, the reason the name was chosen is because uh, when there, there was this desire to be a people for the city, actually, not just for a closed community of people who mm-hmm. had a Germanic history and spoke German still, mm-hmm. but to say, we're actually going to be a gospel people, like we're, we're for the city. So mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the clue in our name is so beautiful. So we're Kelowna, we're, we're of a place, but we're actually by the Spirit of God, for beyond this place, mm-hmm. right? But we're rooted somewhere. You can't be anywhere you're not, mm-hmm. right? So even virtually, though we can do lots virtually now, and the digital opportunities are incredible, end of the day, everybody who listens to a digital podcast still has to walk out of their room and figure out how to live with their family and their neighbor mm-hmm. and do their job, yeah. right? So it's always localized. So we're Kelowna. Um, we're gospel, so that's good news. It's God's good news. It's not something we invent. It's something we carry. And it means we're commissioned. We're sent. We're sent ones. We're seeking to bring God's shalom, his peace, his truth, his justice, his righteousness, his kindness, his compassion, 
his salvation Mm -hmm. to the people that we touch. And then we're fellowship, which means family, like we, we actually care for one another. And so there's this beautiful tension in that between being kind of focused on those who are beyond the family of God Mm -hmm. and focused on those who are the family of God. And it's not that one is more important than the other. Mm -hmm. God's intention is the integrity of the whole of that. Mm -hmm. So we, and then we're church. So Kelowna Gospel Fellowship Church, but we're really, I mean, the church isn't the building. The church isn't our organizational structure. The church isn't what the board says we are. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Christ, the ecclesia. So we're just one part of a, bigger global eternal church and we have a part to play in that so when we're talking this gospeling and fellowshipping rhythm now we're talking about being of the place we're in part of god's design to reveal himself to the to everywhere through these strange people like us who are saved and redeemed because of christ not because of anything we've done and living this rhythm and i got my hand going in this like loop which i've gotten into the practice of doing but like this gospeling and fellowshipping rhythm of my life of our lives of what a small hub of people could be if Mm -hmm. we're only allowed to meet in groups of five or ten or fifty every group could do that and it would become a very dynamic rich uh, intergenerational, drawing out of gifts and strengths, knowing each other better, inviting people in more easily who mm-hmm. don't know Jesus into that journey. So, this is that's that's where we're where we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is awesome. I love this. Uh, I love how this all came together, guys. Thank you so much uh, for coming. Um, just bring up my notes here. Um, so yeah, this theme, this theme of accelerant, this, this COVID-19, now we can't meet together, we're dispersed, just like the disciples um, in the early church. Um, so um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add, that you guys wanted to riff off before we, before we close? I know we have some other things in our day that need to come out, so I'm just going to open it up one, one last chance here. I don't know if I would, Joel. I don't. I don't know if I have anything additional to say. Um, I've been seeing this uh, this artwork on, on the wall here. Uh, it says she knew that she was formed by God's hands, dreamt up in His heart, and placed in this world for a purpose. I don't know who she is. Um, might be the women that we know. It might be the church itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be just right here, right now, that a, that a purpose is emerging that has been long ago designed and that we get to mm-hmm. be participants in. Yeah. And I, uh, I'd just be so curious about what it, would, what it would look like to help people see that this is, this is something emerging that they're part of. It's yeah. not something that has happened to them, yeah. uh, that they are victims of, uh, that they yeah. now get to go and be part of what's possible. Yeah. And so now we get to invite you guys, you, you listeners out there, um, to join with us in discerning this, this time. Uh, if you've had any, any questions that are coming into your mind, like where could this go, this hub, uh, dispersed hub idea, um, if, you, if you're beginning to ask yourself, how might God be calling me um, to step into my unique calling, um, this is your chance to engage with us. Uh, send an email to podcast at KGF Church, um, at kgfchurch.com. Don't forget the dot com. Don't forget the dot com. 
podcast at kgfchurch.com. Um, Marissa and I will, will, will filter through those questions. And as we continue to have these podcasts, we're going to unpack some of those topics together. Um, and now as we close, I'd just love to read this passage from Acts 2 because this is, this, is, uh, this is awesome. This kind of captures that gospeling, fellowshipping rhythm really nicely. So this is Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's the gospeling part. They're being in their community. They, uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's public witness, yeah. public presence. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that is our prayer right now for this church local, for this church uh, national, and for this church global. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good week.